St. Valentine's Day. Isn't it crazy that how many holidays that we have, like in American culture, that we don't know it's because of Christianity? I mean, I mean maybe we kind of forget. Valentine's Day is, is, is the martyrdom of a saint, okay? Like St. Patrick's Day, okay? It's not about green beer and green water. It's, it's, it's a saint, okay? It's the martyrdom of a saint. Even Halloween itself has its roots based from Christian tradition. And even the word holiday itself, have you ever thought about this? The word holiday itself just means holy day, holy day. So that's kind of your FYI for the day. But welcome to the 8. I'm happy to see so many people here as we are kind of having a one-off talk uh, about something uh, that might be a little bit offensive. I can't really apologize, but yeah. I can't, I can't apologize because, you know, Christianity can be offensive. So it's not a, uh, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Last year, last year, I was uh, part of a group that went to Zambia, to, to Africa, on a mission trip last summer, and it was absolutely amazing. Like, you know, I went in with tons of questions, not knowing what to expect, but it was such an eye-opening thing, and this is just a quick plug. If you're interested to going for this year, you know, make sure you stop by the connection table. We're trying to make this an annual thing, but it was just an eye-opening experience, a completely different side of the world, uh, and just seeing just the joy and simplicity of, of, of God working in these people was amazing. But something that really blew my mind about the trip is that for several weeks before the trip, I think maybe like a month and a half before the trip, we made announcements at church saying, you know, if you cannot make it, but you're willing to, to make a donation uh, for the trip and to help those in need in Zambia, you know, this is how you donate. So, you know, I, I made it, you know, I thought maybe we'll buy a couple laptops for the, for, for the community in Zambia or whatever, but I was blown away. We raised $33,000. Like, I asked you to donate. It wasn't for the church. It wasn't for a building. It wasn't for anything. I just said, for those donating for one-time deal to make a donation to the church in Zambia. And I was shocked when the treasurer, when Michael told me that we raised $33,000 for us to write a check. $33,000 in Africa, that, that's like you're, you're a billionaire. So, like, it was just unbelievable that I was so, so, so proud of our church for, for doing that. So this type of giving... This, this spontaneous, where I say, hey, we need to raise money for Africa. You know, we, we want to bring a check when we go on the mission trip next month. This is like a 1.0 type of giving. This is, one, this is measurable. This is like, this gets all of us. Like, we see this thing right on, you know, on Facebook, the night for my birthday, or there's a need here, or there's GoFundMe. There's nothing wrong with any of that, okay? But there, there's a spontaneous, like, impulse. Yeah, you know what? I can, I can give 20 bucks. I can give 100 bucks. I can give 1,000 bucks. And you have, like, this impulse of wanting to give. Why it's so alluring? Because, like, you see it right there. Like, you give, and you see the immediate outcome right there. This is giving 1.0. I'm, I'm not dissing, I'm not saying anything wrong with 1.0. But I want to introduce us to another type of giving. Uh, here's a cool stat. In 2018, America, it, we are super generous people. Americans, we are super generous people. So there was a study that showed in 2018, Americans total over the year to giving to different nonprofit organizations and charities that are doing great work in our country. We as Americans gave $427 billion, 420, almost like half a trillion dollars. Uh, to, to those to charities and organizations all across America. So I thought that was really cool. We are giving people, we are generous, but we love giving 1.0. I would like to talk about giving 2.0. 2.0 giving is planned, is a percentage, it's strategic. And these people are priority giving. Whatever I get, you know what? I'm cutting a slice and I'm giving it to the church, I'm giving it to this organization, I'm giving it to this cause. They're, they're very strategic about their, this is, this is planned. This is, a, a percentage is already set. I want to share something that makes me sad as a priest. 
This, this, this makes me sad, and I'll share why. It's a great thing, but it also makes me sad as well. You know, I, I asked the treasurer for just some, some high-level data of the church. And for those who say that St. Mark Church is their church, for those who say St. Mark Church is my home church, 34% of those people give regularly to the church. 34%. Okay, of course, yeah, it's better than the 80-20. Yeah, we could say that, that's, that's great. But that makes me sad. And why that makes me sad? Because it has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with money. So, like, don't misinterpret, but just bear with me for the next 20 minutes. It has nothing to do with, 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 with income for the church. This just reflects a spiritual maturity. It reflects maturity. It reflects maturity. That only 34% of those who say St. Mark Church is my home church, only 34% of those people give. It doesn't matter about the, 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 the amount and any of that, but it just shows it reflects a sign of spiritual maturity. With that being said, something I never say, thank you. Thank you to those who are 2.0 givers. And 1.0, it's something about 1.0. But thank you to those who are 2.0, who say, you know what? Whatever I give, I give back. Because it's, it's, I've been entrusted with something, and I give that back. They're, they're consistent. It's always coming off the top before they even look or touch the money. So I want to say thank you. Just as a, as a side note. When we, on, on, on what is, not, not Black Friday, uh, whatever, Giving Tuesday, Giving Tuesday, I was so, so proud of our church because I made a big deal saying, hey, donate right at this time, Eastern Standard Time, donate. And I was so happy that, that everyone got in and we did the 1.0 giving and we raised $100,000, $100,000 within, like, within hours. So it was absolutely amazing. I want to say thank you for that, for, for this 1.0 giving and to those who do the 2.0 giving. Something I'm sure you've heard me say many times here at St. Mark Church and at the 8. Not Christian, but being a follower of Christ. Being a Christian and being a follower of Christ. So, um, don't get stuck in the semantics and the details, but I make a big point about trying to verbalize saying follower of Christ as opposed to Christian. Because a lot of us subconsciously, when we say Christian, you think, oh yeah, I I'm a believer. You know, I do my church thing, I do whatever. You know, I kind of throw in money every now and then. Like, I I'm, I'm nice, I'm, I'm good to others, except that person, but I'm good to most people. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I do the Christmas, I do the Easter, you know, I do the Sunday, you know, I do the communion thing every now and then. That's a Christian. But I, I make it intentional, because being a Christian is not a belief thing, it's a doing thing. It's not a belief thing. That's half of it. It's a doing thing. So this is why I'm more intentional about saying I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a follower of Christ. So nothing against being a Christian. I like the word Christian. Actually, if you look at history, it used to be a very offensive word to call somebody a Christian. And that just meant that you are a little Christ. You are a follower of this cult started by this man named Jesus. But it was, it was, it, but it was an honor to those who were Christian. But it just means that you are a mini Christ. Like the word Christian means that you're a miniature Christ. So w w there's nothing wrong with the word Christian. But, but for us, we've kind of watered it down to say, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. I do my church thing. I do, you know, whatever. We, we, we kind of, we, we, we water it down. But I'm being intentional about kind of describing, instead of being a Christian, but being a follower of Christ. Again, I know I sound offensive, but hey, I'm a lot lighter. If you want it more offensive, you should read the Bible. You cannot be a follower of Christ if you do not give of the resources he has given you. You cannot be a follower of Christ if you do not give to him of the resources he has given you. It's impossible. It's impossible. You're just a consumer. You're just, you know, at, at, just at, 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 a, at a high level, you can say, yeah, I'm a Christian. But you cannot be a follower. You cannot call him your Lord. You cannot call him your boss if you do not give to him what he has already given you. This is why the word, instead of what I own something or, yeah, I'm a whatever, 
No, I have been entrusted with this degree. I've been entrusted with this career. I've been entrusted with these kids. I've been entrusted with these finances. And trust is something I've been given this, and I'm called to manage it and to be, you know, to be wise about how I manage it, and then give it back. I've been entrusted with something. My life, I've been entrusted with something. Okay, I, I, it's not like I decided to come to the earth at this time. I've been entrusted with this life, and I've been entrusted with certain things and, and what, what I've been given. I'm entrusted with it, and I'm called to give that back to the person who gave it to me. We are not called to be just Jesus believers. We are called to be Jesus doers. Here's something you know. This is something you know. What I do with my money reflects what is important to me. What I do with my money reflects what is important to me. I'm not talking about like the one, I'm not talking about like the, the one-off like expenses or, or, or things that you pay. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying the, the, the repetitive things that I do. What I do with my money reflects what is important to me. Forget my words. If you follow my money, if you follow my money, you'll see what's important to me. If you follow my money, you'll see what's important to me. I, I read this. I, I'm, I'm just saying what I read. I'm not telling you to do this. There was somebody who said, if you want, like, if I posted my finances on Facebook tonight, I should not feel guilty. Like, there's nothing for me to hide. If I reflected what, where all my transactions and my credit card and show where my money goes, I shouldn't feel embarrassed as far as where my money goes. What I do with my money reflects what is important to me. Jesus being such an amazing communicator. Jesus being so gracious and knowing how to meet people where they are. And he always loved to talk, in like, not in a, in a hidden way, but he loved to give analogies or give parables that are so packed and you can kind of expand upon it and get so many things from this parable. There's so many truths or so many apl application lessons to apply in life. They're so heavy that Jesus threw out this one thing when he was talking to a group. He said these words. For where your treasure is, what you value most, where you put your money toward, what is a high priority to you, for where, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You get this. Where you put your money shows what's important to you. Where you put your money shows what is important to you. The centerpiece of Orthodox Christianity, the centerpiece of ancient Christianity, is when we come together as a body and we are all looking toward the East, wanting to abide in God incarnate. Is where we come, lifting up our hearts, lifting up our bodies, being attentive, coming together as one voice, as one body, wanting to partake of him, wanting to abide in him. This is called the divine liturgy or the Eucharist. One component of the Eucharist, of the liturgical prayers, is something called the anaphora, or anaphora. This component of the prayers, we call the anaphora, we pray this till today, but we have, we have ancient manuscripts of this written in early manuscripts called the Didache, which is something from the first century. We have something called the Apostolic Constitution. That's a cool name for a manuscript in early Christianity called the Apostolic Constitution. And we have manuscripts of how Christians would get together and they, and, and they wouldn't just come together and, and just, you know, whatever. They would come and celebrate the liturgy. They would come and celebrate the liturgy, and they would, see, they would say these words. They said these words that we know from at least from the year 60 A.D., and we say these words till today. The priest says, or well, even before we get to this part, the priest says, the Lord be with you all. And because you're very nice, you say, and with your spirit too. Then the priest says, Lift up what is important to you. 
Lift up, it is what is in your heart. Lift that up. And you respond with so much confidence, so much boldness. Father name, we already have them with the Lord. We already got them with the Lord. There's nothing to lift up. It's already there. My heart, my, my entire being is already with him. We say that to speak it into reality. Just as like when we say the Lord's Prayer, forgive my trespasses, Lord, just as I forgive those. Right? Even though we might have a grudge against somebody, but when I say it and it becomes a rhythm to my life and it becomes part of, of, of who I am and it's under my breath, these words, I am speaking it into existence. So when the, when, when the celebrant, that'll be the official word, either the bishop or the or priest, when the bishop's saying, lift up your hearts, lift up whatever is heavy on your heart, lift up of who you are and give that to God for it to be transformed. And you say, man, we're already ahead of you. We're already ahead of you. We already have them with the Lord. We say it to speak it into existence so i mentioned this before and, and some of you guys don't believe me like I, i've been a guy longer than i've been a priest i've been a guy longer than i've been a priest and i want to share something that is true for guys the last thing we want to give up is our money yeah i know this is true for for some females as well but let me i'm a guy let me speak to the guys so you don't feel like it the last thing we want to give up is our money the last thing we want to give up is our money. Maybe, you know, every now and then I'll throw something, you know, to kind of feel like I did my thing, you know, just in case I get struck by lightning or anything. You know, I might just give it, so I feel like I'm a good person. And we do our thing. If God does not have access to your money, he does not have access to your heart. If he does not have access to your money, he does not have access to your heart. Again, let me make this disclaimer every 40 seconds because I don't want you to misinterpret what I'm saying. The church doesn't need your money. No organization needs your money. No charity needs your money. Okay? We, I'm intentional, but we're not, we're not passing a bucket here for, for, for people to feel guilty. Okay? This is a way of life. I'm not talking about giving just from a financial perspective. Giving of yourself. Giving of your time. Giving of your ears. Giving of your energy to those around you. The, the, the essence I'm talking about is giving. Sometimes we give every now and then just to kind of like, you know, make everything cool, you know, with God. I don't want to get too close to him, but, you know, I want to make sure there's good distance. You know, I'll give every now and then to kind of make sure everything is, is all right with, with me and God. Maybe that's our, our, our approach. Then a health crisis comes. Maybe I lose my job. Maybe there's an issue with one of my kids. Maybe there's an issue at work. Maybe there's an issue in my marriage. And then we all come back. To God. Say, okay, God, for all this time, I promise, God, I promise, like, you know, I promise, like, I'm going to come to church more, I'm going to give, okay, just, just help me with this one thing, and I promise you, I'll, I'll start giving. And what do we start doing? We start praying when there is a crisis. If you are having this tug in your heart, like, I feel like I need to give more of myself to the one who entrusted me with so much, but I can't, if, if, that, if that's where you are, I'm proud of you for being there. That means you're at the verge of a breakthrough. That means you're at the verge of a breakthrough. And the core of everything we're talking about, the core of what we're talking about is something, that I, I, I'm preaching to the choir. I just read this in a book, and this just made so much sense to so many things to me. Like, I love this, but you already know this. You already know this. We prefer intervention over prevention. We prefer, we prefer intervention over prevention, right? Why don't we, we prefer intervention over prevention? Like when, 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 when there's like a, something's wrong with my health, I'd rather take medicine for, 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 for my, my diabetes or for my heart. I'd rather take medication to solve it than to prevent it in the first place. 
we prefer intervention over prevention. Marriage, if you know everything is, you know, there's no big fights happening in my marriage and, you know, we're just been busy and kind of just making sure the kids are okay and kind of just, just going through life as roommates. But once something, a crisis happens, then we need intervention. But we don't do prevent, we don't prevent it. But once there's an issue happening in my marriage, then we need intervention. But we don't do anything beforehand. We prefer, in America, we prefer, we prefer intervention over prevention. Our kids, if I just keep them busy, you know, kind of throw them in church every now and then, if I kind of, you know, just make sure they're just being a good boy and a good girl, if I just keep them like that. But all of a sudden they come back and say, you know, there's this boy or there's this girl. And you're saying, oh, man, well, let me call Father Nate. I mean, we, 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 we prefer intervention as opposed to prevention. Dating. We have great chemistry. He's a great guy. She's a great girl. I just knew it. Just from, we both like the same type of food. And we do our own thing. We do our own thing as far as dating. And we, and we say, well, my, you know, my parents don't get it. Nobody gets it. My priest doesn't get it. We're, we're, we're just going to move forward. They'll, they'll eventually get along. And then we, and then we get married. And then when things start to fall apart, this is when we need intervention. This is when we need to surround ourselves with lawyers and attorneys and, and advisors and all this stuff. But in the beginning, prevention, man, we got this. People don't understand us. But when, it, when everything falls apart, that's when we need intervention. We prefer, we pre why can't I speak today? We prefer intervention over, over prevention. We like to give to solve a problem instead of to prevent a problem. If I say, hey, we need to raise money in order to get six laptops for Zambia. You got it, Father Nate. Here's the check. Let's do it. We prefer, we like to give to solve a problem instead of to prevent a problem. I say, hey, we need to raise money. We're trying to get this building. We'll step up. We prefer to give to solve a problem instead of to prevent a problem. Would you rather, you get this, would you rather be cured of a disease or avoid it altogether? Wouldn't you be, would you rather be cured from a disease or avoid it altogether? Interventional giving is emotional and you see the results right away. It's measurable. Ah, if I give just this amount every day, this can make the impact. We love, we love that. We love 1.0 giving. Interventional giving is emotional. It pulls at us, and the results are measurable. Prevention giving, th now this is like, you're, you want to write this down. This is, took me all week to think of the wording of this. Prevention giving prevents things. Prevention giving prevents things. It prevents me from being selfish and me doing what's best for me and for me only thinking of myself. Prevention giving prevents things. Prevention giving allows me to not just be stuck in my own little world and what's doing what's best for me and me managing my own thing and me just living in my own world. Prevention giving prevents things. Prevention giving allows us here at St. Mark to do certain ministries. Yes, I know we're a young church, but we want to be, prevention giving allows us to invest in programs like Inside Out, which is our high school program here. Prevention giving allows us to, 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 to equip these kids, for them to take ownership of who they are with their Heavenly Father, for them to embrace and take ownership of the love that God has given them. I can't tell, I, this is immeasurable. Through us investing into the high school program, I, 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 there's nothing I say. Are we, are we preventing heartaches? Are we preventing certain diseases? Are we preventing life decisions that will destroy their life? Are we preventing that? Yeah. There's nothing I can do to, 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 to measure that. 
But prevention giving prevents things. Even those who regularly give to the church. Your prevention giving, your prevention giving, a portion of our fees that we pay toward the diocese is paying for those in need in our country. Does help the, 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 to those in need. It, it does support the monasteries and the convents and does support uh, those who don't or that are disadvantaged. Those are already embedded into the fees that we pay every month to the diocese. Prevention giving prevents things. It's systematic. So don't procrastinate. Automate. Do not procrastinate. Automate. But I'm not saying, listen, I, I don't want anyone to give out of guilt. Okay? Your Heavenly Father doesn't want that. But it's the essence and the spirit of how I give of myself, give of myself in conversation, give of myself of finances. And guys, this is tougher on us of this idea. We're so clever, we're so creative of coming up with any other excuse to avoid this. But if I cannot give God my money, he has no part in my heart. Give, save, and then live. If I live a life of giving, then I save as what Michael has been talking about over the couple of weeks of how I can be strategic and wise stewards of what I've been given in order, in order, in order to, to save it and to be wise with that. And then I live off the rest. And me doing this, I'm not, 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 I'm, listen, I'm not telling you to, 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 to give for, for the sake of the church. I don't care, man. That's, 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 not, that's not my business. That's, that, that's, just, that's just a reflection of your maturity. No insult, okay? But this is just a response out of God's love. This, like what God has reflected on me or what he has given me, this is just a response to his love. All this is a response to his love. It's not out of guilt or, listen, if I, if I really wanted to guilt you, I can, I can pull up 45 Bible verses right here and kind of put on this huge thing to just make you feel like the worst human being on planet Earth. I can make you do that. I can make you, but I'm not, I'm not here to do that. Okay? That's very short term. That's, 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 that's not smart to do that. But me giving is just a response of what I have been entrusted with. If we look and we realize what I have, is, I, 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 I'm not the one that, that, that got me through school. I'm not the one that, 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 that what I have is not, I, is not from me alone. I've been entrusted with that from above. And I am called to give that back. God so loved the world that he gave 10% of his son. He gave all of himself to heal all of us. Let's stand up for a prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we all live in a world and a culture of just consumerism. What's best for me? I need to get the new thing. And me just doing me. And we're just flooded with that mentality all around us. But Lord, we're called to push past that because you have come and you have given yourself in order for us to give what we have been entrusted from you. Lord, give us clarity to embrace that and for us to take that next step. And I pray for those who are at that verge, who are at that breakthrough, that they feel this kind of nudge inside of them, that they do need to give more of themselves. Lord, I pray that they, they have the boldness to take that next step that we are called all, us being the hands and feet of you. Lord, I pray that this church and every church can continue to be your light to those around us and to our city. Through the prayers of all your saints, Lord, hear us as we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 
and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you guys. Just a reminder that next Sunday we'll be having the life group.